Hey, I, we got to put a disclaimer on this for all husbands in the room, okay? Don't, don't go tell your wife, honey, I know that on a subconscious level, you really want me to tell you what to do. <laughs> you can well, my wife is just as good with these language patterns, so. <laughs> this is the J.P. Maroney Audio Vault. This is J.P. Maroney with Ryan Nickel. And uh, I tell you what, this interview is uh, going to be a treat for you. You are um, you're on the inside edge of something that has actually never ever been revealed. And I I know people say that, people hype that, people talk about that, but this is going to be something very unique and very different for you. We are breaking out a guy that has been behind the scenes, has not been teaching this stuff anyone and I definitely would not be surprised if you see a high-end big-ticket product come out in the near future about this but as um, as one of the people that is on our insider list you're getting a chance to learn something that's going to change your life and your business and your ability to bring in money uh, forever it's going to change it dramatically Ryan Nickel is a specialist, an expert in the art, the science, and the techniques of using NLP. If you're not familiar with NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, then uh, we're going to give you a little bit of background on that. We're going to talk about it, but not just from a theoretical perspective. We're going to talk about it from an applicable perspective and an in-the-trenches perspective. And we're not just going to show you that, hey, this is something that's kind of cool and interesting that you might want to know about that could change your life. We're going to actually show you how to use it to make more money. And that's what I am all about. That's what monetizing is all about, is finding better ways, new techniques, new ideas, new strategies, new implementations to be able to uh, enhance what you're doing to sell your stuff better and bring in more money. This stuff is stealth, folks. And um, Ryan, I want to welcome you to the call and to this interview. This is, um, you know, we're talking about that that we, this is for my inner circle. This easily can and probably will be a product that will sell for at least a couple of hundred bucks. Um, but I don't want people to even put that kind of a value on it. This could be worth thousands to people. Um, in the near future. Thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing with our audience. JP, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, let's very quickly jump into this. You know, people I'm sure have heard the idea of NLP batted around. If you've heard some of the, there are a few big names in the personal development world that have used the term um, that that use the techniques there are many 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 more as you know uh, you're a trainer to many of them that use the techniques in a stealth mode behind the scenes to um, create greater results both in their own lives but but even more importantly for them and for our audience to get things accomplished and um, I I want to give people kind of a warning that used in the wrong way um, these techniques can can be damaging and they can also you know there's a fine line between being good and persuasive and being a con would you not agree with that oh yeah a very fine line and um, so I want I want to give people a, a word of warning and just say you know we're sharing stuff here that's that's really stealth really under the radar and um, you're the man to do it. So give us your background, your experience, your exposure to the world of NLP. Sure, I'd love to. And, and right before I do that, I just want to piggyback on what you were saying. Um, there is a, uh, there's some legislature that's been going around for the last several years trying to ban neuro-linguistic programming because of its persuasive um, effects on society and individuals. And there actually, um, there's some legislature that's on, that's going on right now that's trying to ban some what's called neuromarketing. And all neuromarketing is is taking the skills from neurolinguistic programming and applying it to marketing. And there's a, a, a woman out of New York City who's actually trying to uh, to get this type of marketing ban as 
you know, termed unethical because it's really, in essence, you know, you're putting people into a hypnotic trance and they're pulling out their credit card and they're buying stuff. And uh, it's, that's how powerful and persuasive it is. However, like you said, if what you're doing is, is, is if you have the, you know, the moral integrity and, you know, the highest ethical honor and you're really giving something of value to somebody, then why wouldn't you present your case or your information or whatever in the best possible way so that you can help as many people? And so I guess, it's just, you know, in the world, people are starting to recognize that this stuff really is powerful and it's starting to come out um, just how powerful this stuff is. I will tell you one thing you don't want to happen is to be unaware of these techniques and have them used on you without recognizing them. And the other thing is you don't want your competitors to learn them and begin to use them and apply them and you have no idea um, what's going on and cannot outmaneuver them in the marketplace. This stuff is lethal and and I don't think people really realize it. So what I'd like to do, give us your background and then I want to jump into some of the examples of the application of this that people may have been exposed to but not recognized just to give people a sense of some of the things that are happening behind the scenes and then we're going to really peel back the layers and show some of the specific techniques how to use them this is not one of those kind of interviews where you're trying to sell something as I said uh, on the early part of the call you can look for a product to come out on this but there's no product to sell here today there's nothing that anyone's trying to to sell you um, we're really getting this on the early stages and um, so what I'd like to do is make sure we give people some walk away things that they can go and do beginning today to enhance their ability to persuade others in a as you said a moral and ethical way so give us your background and your exposure to it and then let's jump into the the actual concepts okay sure so um, my father was trained in NLP uh, when I was three years old I'm currently 30 so you can see that I've, I've had 27 years of exposure to NLP um, the, the the two individuals that trained him happened to also be the very first ones to expose Tony Robbins to uh, NLP um, on, in, a, in a formal setting, in a formal teaching environment. And then he went on to be the man that he is. Um, so I kind of I grew up with it. My father, of course, didn't teach me, per se, NLP as, quote-unquote, you know, book theory, this is what NLP is, this is the name of the technique, and this is what it can do. He just taught me everything he knew, just as fatherly wisdom being passed on to his son. And so I was going through school and accelerating and, and you know, almost, you know, to my parents, to, to my teacher's dismay, quote, you know, I was a manipulative, very manipulating, but I just was very persuasive, and it was because of the techniques that I had learned. Then I um, I wanted to to use what I had learned and I incorporated it into my being and who I was, but I also wanted to be able to train others in it. So I, I sought out who I thought was the best trainer in neurolinguistics, and he actually owns the largest training company on the planet. He's trained more trainers than anyone you can name, and some of the biggest names out there, he's either worked with personally or has trained them. So he, him and his wife certified me as a, as a trainer in neurolinguistic programming. And from there, I, my, my career kind of just accelerated. I had several of my own companies that I applied the techniques that I'm going to be sharing um, to, to grow my company in rapid, rapid succession. I mean, I was a young kid. Two years later, I owned the biggest mortgage company in the area. Um, I've trained other people in it as well, and have seen the same success in their in, in their in their companies, regardless of the industry. Because bottom line, JP, what it really is is these skills are skills on, on how to deal with humans' behavior. It's it's person to person. It's how to influence one person from another person. And when you really look at a business, that's all a business is. It's, it's just a bunch of people working in the organization, they're trying to influence other people outside the organization to see things their way or buy their product or whatever. So when, when, you, when you really drill down on it, it's people working with people. And that's why these skills are so powerful and so persuasive is because it understands personal behavior, personal psychology, and then, you know, it also understands personal motives, what people really and truly want on that deeper level. And when you're talking to people using NLP, you're really talking to the core inner self. You're really talking to to who they are as an individual and what they truly desire and what they truly fear. 
And that's why it's so powerful because, like you said, it's getting down and it's, you know, you're really peeling back the layers of who they are and getting to their, their true issues in a really rapid way. I once heard someone tell me that, you know, when you're dealing with people, you're really, you know, the metaphor was you're really undressing them. You're taking off all their armor and they're coming to you and they're almost naked. They're like, I'm fully exposed here and I'm trusting you because you've exposed my weaknesses, my fears, my desires, whatever they might be. And that's where the, the moral obligation comes for you to really be able to serve this person or people in the highest ethical standards because they're coming to you and they're openly and they're exposed. Whatever it is that you have to, to share with them is, is what they're looking for. And you got to really, really respect that when they come to you. I have a, a handful of questions I'd like to ask you as we go through, but I don't want um, I don't want this to be so structured that we try to guide this conversation one way or another in in any specific manner. Um, I'd like it to kind of be free flow. So if if our our guests listening to this, our audience listening to this doesn't mind. We may kind of go one way and then come back another direction and go another direction. My goal is to act as sort of an advocate and um, to dig out as much as I can in the time that we're going to spend today um, to to really expose this idea enough so that we can get a taste of it, so that the audience members can um, try a little bit of it uh, to in their own life to see that it works. I'm really big about taking fast action and doing something like to do before we get into any specific techniques, any specific concepts, any specific labeled um, approaches or strategies or anything like that. Let's kind of go through some examples. Um, a great, a gr- one great thing I think would be good is, you know, when you, you went through my speaker coaching program, that's how we met um, right. a, a number of years ago. And um, when you and I first talked, I remember, if I think back, you mentioned the mortgage company a few minutes ago. I remember you telling me about some of the success you had had in your mortgage business and the way that you had closed people and all, but you never told me this is what it was. Okay, this has only come out in the last few months in our personal friendship that's developed, uh, you telling me some of these things that you've done and are teaching and all that. So take me back to the mortgage business and show me in that industry, how did you apply some of these techniques? Give me some very specific examples that that people, if they now looked at it, you know, through a third eye, might recognize what was happening. Okay, as long as I'm pretty confident that no one in that in that um, particular geographical region is going to be on your list, um, just because it was such a small area in Idaho. Um, <laughs> okay, sure, I can definitely do that. So one of the first. Well, things, I mean, you, just, uh, you weren't. You're not ashamed of it, right? I mean, you, you didn't. No, but I mean, like, even when people if they listen to it, no, I'm not ashamed of it because I, I, I help over. I, I have testimonial after testimonial of how many people I help. But you know, if you when you when you really pull back, you're like, oh, that's like you know when when a when a magician shows you the trick and you're in awe, you're like, wow, that was amazing. And then when he shows you how you did it, you're like, oh man. It's that I, I got you, that I got you thing. Yeah. Okay. And nobody yeah. likes to be got. So I, I totally get it. Yeah. But but okay. So let's you know it's all just us the 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 men and women who are in this inner circle that are hearing this program. If you live in Idaho, put your fingers in your ears. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but but yeah, let's 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 talk about what did that what, what did you do what did how did you apply it and what were the results? Okay. So, you know, NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. Well, our middle name is Linguistic, and, and that stands for language. So one of the very first things I did was I worked on my scripting. I understood that when people come into my business, they are hearing my words. Well, truthfully, only 7% of our words is what's actually being understood. So, you know, communication is 7% language, and then 93% un- like nonverbal communication. So I realized that you know, that 7% had to be extremely powerful and potent. So when someone would come in, I had to be able to capture their attention and, or else I would, I would lose them. So one thing was, you know, I'll show two examples about languaging. So I'm, I'm 23 years old and I have a mortgage company. So first off, I, I look like a kid. Like I, don't even, I shouldn't even own my own mortgage company, let alone own a house. 
And one of the things that I, I, I did specifically was I, I understood that that was their doubt walking in. And so when they would walk in and they would have that look on their face like, oh, man, what am I doing? This is just a kid. And you know what look I'm talking about. You recognize it when people just have that look. And so one of the things I would tell them would be like, okay, you know, my dad couldn't make it today, but he told me what I need to tell you. Is that okay? And, and they, they would laugh, and it would, it would break down the barrier. So that was one of the very first things is I, I used my language to, to uh, it's like the art of handling objection. If you can address the object, uh, objection before it's ever voiced, before the concern is ever brought to the surface, then you successively, you know, you, you've, you've outmaneuvered them in that, in that way. So that's one way that I use uh, language. Um, but another way, and it's a little bit more sophisticated, is when someone would come in, whether they would walk through the doors or they were referred to me by somebody else. And most of my business was, was referral-based. If not, I tried to find a referral partner. If I couldn't, then that's fine. But this is one of the languaging patterns that I used with them. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give it to you exactly how I delivered it, and then I'll break it down for you and your audience. Sound fair? Sounds like a deal. Okay. So they would come in, and I would say, you know, thank you for coming in, and because of the relationship I have with so-and-so, whether or not you decide to do business with me, I don't mind being a resource to you. And well, that, that does several things on the surface. It, it tells people, hey, you know, he has a good relationship with so-and-so. He's not going to ruin that relationship by trying to gouge me, one. Two, I don't have to use this person. I can, you know, pick his brain as much as I want, and he's going to be a resource to me just kind of out of goodwill. And that's what I wanted. I wanted them to feel like they, were, they could be comfortable in my presence. But here's, you know, where the magic comes. Now, when I said that, I embedded a command. And what an embedded command is, it's something that you are telling their unconscious mind. So what I said to them was whether or not you, and then here's the command, decide to do business with me, I don't mind being a resource to you. And so I would mark that out. And the way I would do it, you go back and you listen to the recording, you'll notice that I changed the tone of my voice for that one specific part. And on a, on a conscious level, your mind just goes right over it. However, on an unconscious level, your brain says, I'm going to decide to do business with this man. And that was one of the ways that I was able to, to close close to 85% of the business that either called in, called or walked in. And that was you know, one of the ways that I used NLP. More? You know, I'm really proud of myself because when you when you shared the scripting, I I recognized the language patterns. So uh, some of the stuff <laughs> that we've done together, I'm actually getting it. That's that's a good thing. Uh, you, no, that's that's great. And can you can you tell people on a um, on a on a, a practical level why that works? I mean, is there anything you add to why that? that command works what does the mind i mean i realize this the subconscious picks it up but why does it pick it up i mean do you know anything deeper about why does it work i mean i you know for the guy that likes to lift the hood on the car kind of thing <laughs> sure okay so it, it works it works several different ways first off the understanding of your unconscious mind is that it's extremely ethical and it's well, most of our decisions that we make are unconscious decisions we just you know we, we steer our, our our ideas and 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 the direction of our conscious mind, but it's our unconscious mind that gives us that gut check feeling. So with that, um, I understood that the unconscious mind wants to, one, solve problems, and two, wants to be able to, to trust uh, other people that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. So by me kind of dropping the guard down and saying, hey, I'll be a resource no matter what, but then giving that decided to do business with me, on the, on the unconscious level, it's, their mind is saying, I can really trust this person, and I, I'm gonna, we're going to decide to do business with this person because he's the most trustworthy, quote, instead of someone else who's trying to, you know, when they walk in the door, push them on, into one direction or another. I'm telling them, hey, before we ever move forward, let's just look at what options we have. It might not even be a fit. And the unconscious mind loves that because the last thing we want to do, I mean, it's the whole, you know, the whole fight for, you know, freedom. We have this innate desire to be free within, to be our own people, to, to choose for ourselves. And so in the unconscious mind, it, when it recognizes that the choice is available, it then needs a little bit of encouragement. Um, another thing, too, if you want to you know, really pull back the, the hood on this one, is that the unconscious mind, it's never not listening. It's always eavesdropping. It's eavesdropping on 
the people that are listening right now, they're listening to my voice, they're hearing my voice, and whatever they're saying to themselves, their unconscious mind is eavesdropping. Whether, you know, when they're, the, the, their quiet moments, their unconscious mind is never shut off, which is part of the reason why we can listen to, su- to uh, the subliminal messages while we sleep, and even though our conscious mind is not, is not listening, our unconscious mind is picking everything up because it never is not sleeping. And so those are some of the, the reasons why it works. Yeah. No, that's, you know, as a, I've been selling for most of my business life uh, once I discovered how to. And it's, it, it, if you're an old school salesperson and you know how to, how to build rapport, what you did with the whole, I mean, I would have called it, you know, building rapport, takeaway selling or whatever, where you kind of said, you know, whether we work together or not, I mean, it's kind of like this, I don't need you, but, you know, I'm here. That's how I would have described that in the old days, you know, of old school. And and if, correct me if I'm wrong, just doing that would have helped lower their guard and helped um, sort of create a warm atmosphere with them where you're connecting, sort of disarm them. But it's the embedding of the command. That's the the NLP part of, it, or I guess maybe all of it is. But the the embedding of the command is the the really stealth thing that most people don't do on a strategic level, right? You're right. And and, and here's and here's the crux of the whole issue is you know we we desire on the deepest level to be free, but on the flip side of that, we desire to be told what to do. That's just you know it's human nature. It's like I want to be so free, true. but I also want to be told what to do, and if you can tell people what to do, but still have it come like, this is what coaching, this is, you know, when I coach my clients, this is what, how I do my coaching is, I tell them what to do, but I make it so that it eventually comes out of their own mouth, like, hey, I'm going to do this idea, but on, on, on the unconscious level, I had been giving them those embedded commands the whole time, and when they come up with it as their own idea, they're more inclined to follow through, rather than like, you should do this and do it now. Hey, I, we got to put a disclaimer on this for all husbands in the room, okay? Don't, don't go tell your wife, honey, I know that on a subconscious level, you really want me to tell you what to do. <laughs> well, my wife is just as good with these languaging patterns, so. <laughs> yeah, and you've got a funny story about, story about that I'd like you to share before we get off this call about her doing a little jiu-jitsu on the guy, uh, the taking control of that guy and having him, you know, sort of eating out of the palm of her hands with these language patterns. But, um, all right. Yeah. So, so take us back to the mortgage days. That's very cool. So the scripting as simple as that, I don't know how long it took to deliver about a, a five to seven second script as, as simple as that is in appearance and delivery done on a strategic level, what it completely set the stage for making a sale. Yeah, it did. That's powerful. Um, it's so powerful. And, yeah. uh, you know, honestly, out of that, I, I was able to book, um, I had a radio show, I had a weekly newspaper call, and I was writing, and I was, and I was speaking on several different college campuses because they're like, this guy is amazing. Well, it's because, like you mentioned earlier about rapport, all I was doing was getting in rapport with who they are on an unconscious level. And it's very hard to reject someone who is like them on the on that deeper level. It's like because it's almost rejecting themselves, and no one does that. Powerful. Take us you know, deeper. Take yeah. us deeper. So in the business, you got them in the palm of your hands from the moment they walked in the door, which is beautiful. Uh, that's a great thing. Tell us anything else uh, that you did on a purposeful and strategic level with NLP okay. in your persuasion. Okay, so here's one of the things I. Um, I learned early on is if you give people too many choices, it does three things. It deters them from making a decision as a distraction, and eventually it discourages altogether. And I found early on that I, you know, I wanted to be the best person I could possibly be for my clients, and so I was given them as many options as possible. I mean, in the mortgage industry, there's at the time, you know, now you only got two options, but you know, at the time I had, you know, I'd give them five or six, you know, sometimes as much as thirteen different options and they'd be on a comprehensive spreadsheet and it's like you know you have Susie Homemaker and, and, and Billy Bob the plumber and they're like what the heck is this you know it, it, it I, I was pushing them out the door you know and to go I was I was encouraging them by making my business so difficult to go find business elsewhere and then because I told, I told them I'd be a, a, um, 
a, a referral to or a reference to them, they could use me as a resource. They would always call back and go, hey, what do you think about this? I'm like, hey, weren't we doing business together? And so what I learned, and it's, you know, I, you know, you'd think that I would, I would have just known it innately, but unfortunately I didn't because some of these, the concepts of, you know, the core of NLP is, it becomes who you are and just a matter of a way of thinking. And, and what I, I realized is that, okay, you know what, I'm not being as persuasive in my presentation style of, of presenting them their options. And so what I would do is, and this is, you know, called decoy marketing. And, one, and there's several different forms of decoy marketing, but this is the one form that I used was that I would give them one option that was just so ridiculous. It's probably like the worst option anyone would ever offer. But I threw that in there just to say, hey, here's an option for you. And then I would throw another option uh, in, in there that would be the option that I wanted them to do. This is the option that I, after reviewing their information, this was the best choice for them. And then I threw another in there that was just completely just out of their comfort zone way, just almost too risky for them. So what I was doing, in essence, is I was steering them to the choice that they needed to make without me telling them that they had to make it. I was like, hey, these are the three options that are available to you at the time, something that's so expensive they couldn't afford it, something that was so risky that they would never do it, and then something that just looks so perfect, like, oh, that's what we got to do. I'm like, oh, perfect choice. And I would have I done the same thing if I was in your, in your shoes. And uh, by doing that, you know, I, I simplified the business. I simplified the process because they went from, you know, taking two weeks to make a decision to, like, right there on the spot. Nope, that's what we want. Let's do it. Let's move forward. And we were, we were on with the show. Powerful. So, we, so juxtaposing those... Uh, the, the decoy next to what you really wanted them to buy was a, a way to guide them to that, the purchase you wanted them to make. Yeah, because on, on the unconscious level, again, you know, one was out of their price range, was too expensive for them, two, the other one was too risky. And so their decision-making filters were going, nope, can't afford that one. I definitely would never put my neck on the line like that. And, well, this looks like a good compromise. Let's take this off, this one here. And that's just understanding, you know, human nature. Using, using NLP to kind of filter that through. Very cool. Um, I, so, yeah. So, um, anything else that, that, that stood out in, in that business that you can remember that made, and I'm sure, as you said, it becomes a fabric of who you are. You used it in your everyday interaction, but any other things that you did on a strategic level that, that uh, you'd like to share? Um, and you know, let's see here. You know, I'm just you know, most of them just doing it off the top of my head. So if I'm sure if I had time to think about it, I would come up with a lot more. What was another one that I did that was really, really strategic? Um I mean as far as marketing goes, I mean this I I believe that you know, you're you're really good at this as well. Um it, it, this, I don't think this is so much NLP as it is as just good marketing as with my radio show. Just you know, I would uh give a call to action, you know, you act right now and you're going to get these, you know, five things you should know about a mortgage when you're applying for one. And, and it, it's, it would build business really fast. And I, I, you know, I, I think my bread and butter, oh, okay, I got one for you. But I think my bread and butter was, was the embedded commands, especially on the radio, because this is what happens, you know, you, when you're driving, sometimes we're just driving and we're just, we get home and we're like, whoa, hey, how did I get here? But we just, we're just automatic. It's called unconscious competence. We're just, we can drive and, and do everything at the same time and, and, and not even think about what we're doing. Well, same thing happens when we're listening to the radio when we're driving. Our unconscious mind is just kind of taking everything in. And so you can, it's a great opportunity when people are kind of just zoning out to give those embedded commands. Um, but now here's something else. It's, uh, this is a little bit more advanced, and I probably won't have a lot of time to go into it, but it's presuppositions. And presuppositions is probably the foundation work for NLP. And what a presupposition is, it's, it's a word or a phrase that presupposes something else. Like if I said to your audience right now, the second most important thing they could do would be to invest in my coaching services, um, which I'm not taking anyone on right now because I'm, I'm, I'm too, too busy with that. But it presupposes something. It supposes that, well, that's, a, if that's the second most important thing. What's the first most important thing I could do? And so when you're delivering, and, and what that does is it then... It's, what you're doing is you're instructing their unconscious mind on what behaviors they need to go ahead and do. 
And so in my languaging, again, because I was only 7%, I had I, my presentation, and, and again, my presentations were scripted out. I, you know, not word for word, but concepts. And I did the same presentation over and over. I probably delivered the presentation over a thousand times. And I, I changed it and tweaked it and changed the order every time just to test it to make sure it worked right. And what I found was that if I took the presuppositions out of my presentation, that they were less likely to, to, to accept or move forward on, on what, I, what I had for them. And uh, let, me, let me give you an example. So, and this is an example of a presupposition. One of the reasons for them to meet with me, aside from just being a resource, is that I also owned a credit repair company. And I would tell them, I said, you know, whether you come in, whether you, whether you use my services or not, and you come in, we're going to look over your credit report, and I'm going to show you areas where you can improve your credit score so that we can give you a lower interest rate. So that by me telling them that, it presupposes that they're going to come in already. And it also presupposes that they're going to get the best lowest interest rate because they're also going to have the highest credit score that they possibly can. So there's no, there's no doubt that, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else because they can give me a better, a better rate or a better score because it presupposes that they are working with the best and because I have a credit repair company, that I also know exactly how to get the credit score to be the optimized, you know, the most optimal score. And if, and in whatever, whatever, you know, interest rate they get, that's the, the best because it presupposes that that's what's going to happen. Mm. And so it's, I mean, it's very stealth because you're, you're talking to them and by them agreeing to do it, then you, you know, uh, like I was talking to a car dealer one time and, and and uh, I, I told the guy, I said, hey, if you want to sell more cars, all you got to do is, like, tell the person, hey, you know, I can't take you for a test drive unless you choose it because you're going to want to buy this car as soon as we're done test driving it. And this presupposes that if they ever do test drive that specific car, they're going to want to buy it after they're done test driving it. So it's a way to instruct the mind without giving the embedded command. You're just presupposing this is what's going to happen. It's just programming the mind to act on, a, on, uh, act on an impulse if a certain event takes place, or when a certain event takes place. Is that's that, all it is. That, is, that, is, that, is that how you would sum it up, then? Yeah, that, that's the gist of it, yeah. And it can be, you know, it can be used in, in a myriad of ways. Different settings, environments, it's all the same. You just presuppose what, what the behavior is going to be after they do the act, and by doing the act, they're going to do it. Wow. So let's, let's go back to that. We, you know, we have lots of... Go ahead. Oh, all I was going to say, if you really wanted to look at it this way, it's, it's an instruction manual for the unconscious mind. You know, you do this, this is what's going to happen. You do this. It's like a recipe. That's all it is. So take us to a, a let's sort of like dissect this for somebody. Um, I'm going to try to try to make an application. Well, let me ask you this. Have you taught this? You mentioned the auto guy. Have you taught this to anyone in this way? Um, speaker, author, consultant, someone along those lines, because that's primarily who is um, coaches that are uh, in the inner circle. So someone that's trying to sell their services or something, um, how can, can we dissect this and sort of give them a step-by-step way of how they might apply that? Okay. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit. Have I done this to speakers and trainers? No, but they, I have three specifically right now that are begging me to teach them. I haven't taught them yet. So, um, and I don't know if I'm going to or not because it's, you know, it's, it's very hard to judge what, how people are going to use this ethically. And that's one of the reasons why when I teach and train and consult in businesses, I won't spell out what I'm doing, to, doing, but I will give them the techniques and tell them how to do it so they can increase their business. But I never spell out specifically, this is what I'm doing. This is probably the first, I would say, JP, this is the first phone call conversation, uh, interviews, that type that I've had, that I'm actually revealing what I actually do. A lot of people just know that I, I have a background in NLP, and they just assume that I'm using it, but they don't know how I'm using it, which, um, so again... you might help I, somebody build a script in your current work. Um, you might help them build a script, but you don't necessarily show them how to use the tools. Right. For example, I have a guy down in San Diego. I just wrote a script for him last week. And I showed him where he needed to have his guys embed the commands. But I didn't explain to him why to embed and how it all works and why it works. Um, but I, I did demarcate in, his, uh, in the script with italics, you know, where to embed certain commands. 
And and he was like, okay, so that must be an NLP thing, and uh, we'll do it. And that's you know, that's that's the the extent of of explaining it to people. Yeah, yeah. So if we if we if we then dissect this and say, okay, so let, let's look at the applicable level of how you how you walk into this. How do you? Um, I want to give people something that let's just say that that um, they say, okay, I this this idea of of presuppositions is obviously very powerful. If I were selling a, um, let's just say I'm selling a coaching service to someone, how do I how do I integrate that into my scripting? Is this only a one-on-one thing? Can this be done in mass? Um, how would you integrate that? Okay, uh, no, it, it works better with the masses. Um, one-on-one, and this is how you really know if it works or not. One-on-one. You have people have charisma, they have personality that can influence the decision making process as well. Um, when you do it to the masses, it's pure unconscious work that's being um, the way it's working. So uh, you, your question is, you're selling coaching services. How can you use the presuppositions or embedded commands to, to sell your coaching service? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's use that because I have a lot of people that are doing that on this. Uh, listening to this this program, so they're selling high end um, coaching programs. Same kind of thing you're going to be doing. You know that. I, I mean, it's going to happen. People are going to beat on your door long enough, and you're going to do it. But go ahead. Probably okay. So here's here's the best way to do this, and uh, and I was explaining this to to a coaching client of mine, and one of the individuals that is um, a speaker. She also has a coaching product as well, and it's. The lost art of story selling, because when you when you're when you're trying to 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 sell somebody something, the best way you can do to to incorporate all these presuppositions and and embedded commands is to actually tell a story and to craft your story so that it's very persuasive. But really, what you're doing is you're instructing them what to do because that's what a story does. I mean, if you think about you know the, the Bible, whatever your religious preferences, there's stories that instruct you on how to behave and how to act. Our children, we tell them fairy tale stories, and the fairy tales instruct our children how to act and how to behave. And that's what you're really trying to do is, is instruct them on how to act and how to behave. And, and in this particular case, it's the action is to take my course or hire me as a coach. And so what I would tell your, your audience is to, um, to, uh, to come up with a story. And you're really good at this, JP. You really are. One of your, you know, part of the speaker protege is for them to dive into their past and pull out all relevant stories that they can use as a speaker. Well, I'm sure there are stories that you can go ahead and um, persuade an engineer to give that effect of what you want your audience to do. Um, I'll give you an example, and then I'll, I'll jump back into what you had asked. So the speaker, she, she, wants, she wanted them to take a, a certain action. And they, no one was taking this action. And, and for her, she's very into Stephen R. Covey, and none of these people, you know, knew who they. At one point, they didn't know who Stephen R. Covey was. And um, so I told her, "So what you need to do is you need to tell a story." And what happens is now you're disassociating with, you know, yourself, but you actually can use the words in the story to tell your audience exactly what they need to do. And so her story would go on to the effect of like, oh, I was talking to a business person, and this business person looked at my um, my colleague who was with me and said, "Have you read Stephen R. Covey?" And my and my colleague said, "No, I've never read who who is Stephen R. Covey." And my the business owner said, "You need to get out of my office right now and go buy Stephen R. Covey's book, and then come back and talk to me when you're ready." And that's the message that she wanted to deliver to her audience. But now all of a sudden she had disassociated herself with her telling it and having to be the fictitious business owner who's now instructing the audience what they needed to do. Because that was the biggest frustration is they're coming to her seminar not prepared. And so uh, she was... Uh, that's a heck of a thing. So it, it became her not telling them what to do. It was someone else. It was a third-party implied endorsement of, of the book, essentially. Exactly. And uh, what happens is if you can do that, and he, 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 the best thing to do is to get it, you know, two or three generations removed. So it was, you know, like I was talking to my dad who was talking to this guy who said that a colleague of his, and so eventually what happens is, okay, I'm going to share with you a big secret here. Um, two things are going to happen. 
when you do that, the, you know, you want to go at least two or three generations. And by doing that, they're completely disassociated with who's telling what, but they get the message. The message is, boom, it's delivered. And so you can, um, and if I get off track, remind me of chunking, because I'm going to talk to you about chunking. So um, it, with your, whoever's selling these coaching clients, they can say, you know, I, I once had a person, and whatever they like, say they have an objection, like, oh, it's too expensive or whatever, you know. Tell a story, and in the story, you know, so-and-so told me that it was too expensive, and they decided to do it anyway, but they went on, and they told their, you know, whoever, and then you give the command of, like, you know, so, for example, let's just play with that. They said it was too expensive, but then they went ahead and, and, and invested in the services anyway because I had a money-back guarantee, and, you know, 20 days into it, they called me on the phone, and they said, you know what, it won't, you won't, I was, I was talking to this, to whoever I was coaching, and they told me that I need to go talk to their clients, to, to, their, to their employees or whoever, and they said, you need to buy this right now to their employees because it's the best investment I've ever made. Now, you know, you, I've been picking you down from, you know, a person who hired your services to someone he was consulting with to, some, to him telling his employees or somebody else that you need to buy this right now. It's the best investment they've ever made. That's the message that gets in. That's very powerful. So, I mean, in taking it on my own, I mean, and anyone could use this, but just I do sell coaching. So if I were selling coaching, I could, it, it, provided I'd gotten an email from one of my clients at some point, and they said, you know, I was talking to, uh, I was I was at a party the other night with a business party the other night. A couple of my friends were there, and they're also, you know, therapists or whatever. And, and um, I was telling them of the work that you and I had done together and how much uh, uh, success I'd had. And and uh, my friend, one of my friends, we had had coffee two weeks before, and I told her about it. And she, so we're, we're standing there at this party, and all of a sudden she turned to her friend and she said, okay, you've got to know this guy, okay, Mary, tell her about J.P. Moroni, you, you, in it, blah, blah, blah. So you're like multiple times removed from this and mm-hmm. crafted properly. You could structure that to let this third person down the line give the command to go and do business with J.P. That's what you're saying, it's in essence. Exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, so so Milton Erickson, he was one of the, uh, he was a psychotherapist and a hypnotherapist, and I see him as a psychiatrist, and he's one of the founders. He's not the founder, but he was the person that and the founders of NLP modeled after. And these are he he has what's called therapeutic metaphors. And when I do a lot of therapy with people, those are some of the most powerful and influential tools, if you would call them that, that I use with individuals to get them to change. And I work with a lot of um, individuals that have addictions, and by giving them, uh, and I, I do it just because it's. A, part of my passion of who I am, and so I, I, I mostly I just do it pro bono, I just I do volunteer work at certain nonprofits, and they're amazed that I can go in and, you know, I'm the storyteller. I'll go home and tell a story, and the person's behavior has, has changed. Well, because in the story, I was laying the tracks of the presuppositions and the embedded commands to get the person to make the changes on the unconscious level when they're ready to make those changes. And, and I should probably qualify that, that NLP is something you do with somebody, never something you do to somebody. That's that's a, that's very important, and, and and you know I I don't think we can say this enough times or too many times um, that we we so want to make sure that people use this with the utmost level of integrity. It's you know it's like I heard Jeffrey Gittimer years ago say you know people don't want to be sold but they love to buy, and you know people are walking around looking for someone to lead them to to the result that they want the outcome that they want in their life and provided you're moral and ethical about what you're doing and your goal on that stage or on the phone with that client or whatever is to lead them to a result to make their life better to enhance it and improve it then what in my opinion whatever techniques you can use to help them get to that result they want um you're in good you're okay but but the moment you do that to begin to do it, quote, to them and manipulate them, it becomes an entirely different game. Oh, it does. And two things on that. One, you have a moral obligation. If you believe wholeheartedly that you have the solution to their problem and you're not presenting it in the most persuasive way possible to influence that person to help, to, for you to help them, 
then you know you're you're doing a disservice to them, and I think you know you'll be holding you'll be held responsible for that in the end. That's how I look at it. That you're morally responsible to to help that person do that. And uh, I was going to tell you something else, but it, it went away. Well, you said to remind you about chunking. Let's go there. Okay. Well, so we have filters on the unconscious on the unconscious level, and these filters are as information comes in. You know, we. Regardless of what the information is, the, we, we go ahead and we have it go through our filters. Well, the way we, we encode this information is we delete, generalize, and distort the information so that we can understand it. And the way we delete and generalize and distort is based upon those filters. Well, we have at any given moment 2 million bits of information per second coming into our, our awareness. But the brain can only handle 134 bits per second. So we're discarding, you know, generalized and deleting 1.9 billion bits of information every single second. And so chunking is, is used in two different ways in NLP. It's the, you can chunk in ideas, and that's not, we're not going to go into that, but chunks are, we can, we can as a brain, as, a, as, a, as, a, as the conscious part of our brain, with our filtering system, we can accept chunks of seven plus or minus two, which means we can accept chunks of five up to nine, which is why most phone numbers are seven digits, if you think about it that way. So people can remember seven digits in succession. Um, but when you try to do all 10, like area code plus this, it, you, your brain starts to become overwhelmed and you can't remember all the numbers. I'm sure you, you probably have tried. Um, as I have, you know, trying to remember all of it, I can't do it, but I can do seven and, you know, so, but what happens, and this is why this is important, is if you know that after nine, that the brain starts to become overwhelmed or overloaded, that's the perfect environment for you to insert your embedded commands and your presuppositions. So, let me give you an example of that. And this is just a real, real basic example. And then I'll break it down. So as, as you're as you're there as you're as you're listening to me right now, and you have the words coming into your ear, you can feel the way that the receiver is kind of tickling your ear because it's really close to it. And uh, you think about the, you know did I, did I comb my hair today? And you, you look at your clothes and you're like you know my clothes are looking pretty good. And and whether or not you're wearing shoes, at least you're, you're grateful that you always have something to put on your feet. And uh, you know. Same, same thing with carpet. You know, your feet feel really good on a carpet, especially when you're walking barefoot. And uh, so today you might want to help somebody. And the person you're going to help, you don't know who that person is. You might see him on the street. And I don't know about you, but, you know, Texas right now, it's really, really kind of cold right now. And there's a lot of, you know, freak weather things that are going on. But the most important thing is to buy my services as a coach because I can help you, and that's what I want to do. So what you do is, I just took you on a journey. And the journey was I was taking your awareness to several different things in succession. And what happens is it overloads the conscious mind to eventually you just stop listening. You're like, okay. And you're catching bits and pieces of like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, weather, oh, yeah, my clothes, or my shoes, or whatever. And you're not trying to get them to follow you the whole time. What you're trying to do is overwhelm their unconscious or their conscious mind so that you can go ahead and embed whatever command that you wanted to do. Make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. When and, I didn't and, hear and, you, I'm like, oh, he's in a trance. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes complete sense. And, and, you know, obviously you were doing it on a very simplistic and non-strategic level because you didn't plan that out. But I got, I get right. the, the gist of it because, uh, I mean, you you actually uh, made a very overt command there. But if that had been done strategically with a, a really well-crafted embedded command, it it could have an amazing effect. Um, what you're saying is, is the, the mind is trying to is sort of whether they're consciously doing it or not. The mind is sort of tracking through all of this information, trying to make sense of it, and it over time gets tired after the nine or, or whatever items that it's trying to track, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I, I give up. Go ahead, whatever <laughs> you know. And right. then all of a sudden so you, dr- me- you drop in the command. Right. So let me show you how. Let me let me give you an example of how I did this in the mortgage company. Okay. So that's what we we had talked about. So when they would come in, and part of the presentation would be is, 
I would overwhelm, overwhelm their conscious mind with all of the minutia and the detail into how the credit scoring system works, how mortgage-backed securities work, what actually pushes the market this day, whether it's going to be the job reports or if the Fed fund rate is going to move. And I'll just start spewing all of this information, this complex data that, for one, it would you know, maybe look intelligent to them, but two, it overwhelmed them, like, oh, my gosh, there's so much to track and do this and this. And, and that was the purpose of the, of the presentation so that at the end, when I gave them the three options, it was like that one. It's easy, it's quick, it's simple, it's done. Please, Ryan, take it off our hands. I mean, really, I would have this. It, this was the, the, probably the most common uh, result of that. the presentation was like, man, just will you do this for us? And I would gladly do it but because what I was doing was I was overwhelming them at really how difficult it was to get a mortgage. And, and I, I'm not kidding you. It, it, was, it was difficult then. It's even more difficult now. Um, but that was the idea. On The strategy behind it was to because NLP taught me that that's what, how the unconscious mind works, that now I've, I've overwhelmed, over, you know, overloaded their circuits, if you want to say that. So now all filtering systems are down, and they're just like, just please help me here. You've already told me that I can trust you because you're going to, whether you have a business or not, you're going to be a resource, but I trust you, please. I've decided to do business with you. Do this for me. And kind of with their arms, you know, reached out, palms up, saying please, and that's basically how I, you know, I did it. If somebody, I mean, I know if you're listening to this recording, you're probably like me. You're going, uh, you're like, uh, what was the guy's name in, in Welcome Back, Carter? I'm dating myself, but the the one that was like, ooh, 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 you know, he always raised his hand. So, um, you know, people are like, man, I wish I could ask questions, listen to the recording. Fortunately, I'm here and I get to ask a few questions on our behalf. It, it, let's take this to a public, a, a, um, a, a stage level. You're doing a, a presentation to a group an audience uh, as a speaker correct okay, me if I, correct me if i'm correct me well let me try something correct me if i'm wrong because i want to i want to see if i'm getting the application of it you, let's say you, okay. do, you do some rapport building stuff in the beginning you do some of the disarming things and then it, just really early in your presentation because i've never done it this way before and i want to ask you if this is if this makes sense uh, to use this sort of overloading the brain uh, kind of chunking type thing. If you said, look, guys, right here in the early in, in before we even get really deep into this, I want to give you some amazing takeaway that, that you definitely want this, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, I want to give you something right now that you can use. Here are 12 things that you're going to definitely want to know how to do. You're going to want to know how to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to, I mean, you just like ram through them, these 12 things. They're following along, whether they're writing them down or not is, is even irrelevant, but they're trying to follow that. If you did that and then led directly into some sort of a pre-phrased, pre-scripted, embedded command, would that be appropriate to do almost like a pre-trial close early in a presentation? Oh, yeah. And what that is, is your pre-trial close, what that really is, the presupposition. Because it's, if you do this, you're going to buy this. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, it makes complete sense. And one other thing I would add to that would be, you know, if you're going to do those 12 things, just to, you know, I would not just maybe list the 12 things, I would, you know, do little sublets of every 12 thing, like, you know, this, and this is the benefit of this, and this, and this is the benefit of this, because then you're just like, it's 24, and it's still appropriate because it's flowing with the conversation. It's like, oh. So I want to I want to I want to turn to our audience for a second and and do some instruction here because I, I'm all about go out and try stuff and apply it. Like we have people on this uh, this call that are doing teleseminars, webinars. Um, you're they're speaking in public, etc. Many of them uh, people have gone through my courses. They they've bought my stuff, but a lot of them are already very successful speakers, authors. Um, you know, out there doing presentations. Uh, guys, this. And, and Ryan, maybe you can give us an additional crafting of this or just an insight. But go out and try this on your next teleseminar that you have scheduled for this week or next week. After you know your next webinar, your next live presentation, find a way to integrate this because 
there's this this psychological thought process that a speaker goes through that says I don't want to give all of my stuff away and so they do this like useful but incomplete thing or they'll do this um, uh, like withholding information like they'll say and I've heard a gazillion speakers do this it drives me freaking nuts you know I've got 12 ways to do whatever but I'm only going to have time for 5 of them today you know now all 12 are in my product which is just so stupid it drives you freaking nuts hearing them do that and it's so overt and and I'm all about implicit selling you know that's so much more powerful and more it makes you look like the good guy versus like some schmuck up there withholding information but if you were to just give all 12 my goodness there's no way they can learn them and apply them in that short a period of time anyway but if you were to give right. all 12 even like really early say guys we only have an hour together but right here in the first five minutes I'm going to give you all 12 strategies you need let me talk about them here they are here you got a pen get ready let's go number one you're going to do want to do this you're going to do one this and this is why like you said uh, expanding on them and giving the benefits etc go through them then take us to that point how would they then set up the um, using either story selling or, a, a, as you said, the presuppositions. What would be a good way for people to go out and apply this, like next week? Okay, um, I do have to to, to preframe that. Is um, I, I I'm actually I have a consulting appointment here in in, uh, in a little over half an hour that I have to prepare for. So I maybe got about ten more minutes with us with you. You bet. You bet. And your audience. Um, well, the way that I would actually do that is well. First, let me ask you this. So. You're gonna you're gonna give all that information, and then at the end you're gonna you're gonna ask them to, to purchase it, right? Sure. Is that how the setup? Is? Okay, so yeah. I mean, I ultimately, they're gonna sell something that that teaches all this stuff more in depth. But we're gonna act like okay. the good guy and go give it all to them up front. And that, that's that's right, unless, yeah. unless I'm incorrect in that. No, no, you're you're right. And what you're doing is you're giving them. I mean, here's the thing, and this is you know, you give them the idea, and the idea might be nothing new, but when you People can, you know, can understand the ideas, but they don't understand the how-tos. And people will pay a lot of money to have someone step by step walk them through the how-tos instead of just, you know, uh, you know, just uh, a lot of money for just some high-level theory that, you know, doesn't really give them the nuts and bolts of how to apply to their specific situation. Which is part, which is in part why coaching is so such a craze right now, and it's and people are charging premiums for coaching because it's these are nuts and bolts how-tos for your specific situation. And you can charge a premium for that. So what I would actually do is I would do all of what you just said, JP, but I also would do something called anchoring. And now, and now we, don't, we haven't talked a lot about anchoring, but what I would do is I would anchor the benefits. Every single time you said the benefit, I would do something that would anchor it in their mind of like, wow, wow. So every time they're going, this is something I want. This is something that's really cool. I, I didn't know that. And so when you get back, so... I guess it's a point back up. What an anchor is, is an anchor is a, is a stimulus response. We're all familiar with Pavlov and his dogs. You, you ring the bell, show mistake. He did that several times to get to the point where he just would ring the bell and the dogs would salivate as if the steak was there even though it was never there. A perfect example of this is if I say right now, you know, imagine having a, a lemon in your hand and you take your knife out and you cut the lemon in half and you see the juice start to squeeze into your palm and you squeeze it a little bit and you, your mouth starts to get that kind of puckery. Um, aspect going on and that's you know that's because that's an anchor you, we've all have tasted lemon or lemon juice before and so our, our, it's a stimulus response and so what you'd want to do is is use anchoring so that when you go and it's time for the end of the presentation and you're going to ask for the order or do your, your, your however you, you ask for them to take the next step you want to be able to fire that anchor so all of those feelings that they did have before come back like, oh, yeah, this is something I want. This is wow. Um, and there are several ways to do that. One way is to do a snap of the fingers. Tony Robbins is like the master. Every time you see him, he's talking, he's snapping all over the place. And uh, but what he's doing is he's anchoring people strategically at a specific part or a specific emotion so that when he wants to recall that emotion again, all he has to do is snap his fingers. And you can do it. So that's, you know, that's an auditory anchor. If you're doing a webinar, this is one of the things that I do, is before I, I, I ever jump into my content and what I'm going to sell, I show them a picture, two different pictures. And one is a picture, and I go through this explanation of, you know, there are two types of people in life. One is pl they're, they're playing not to lose, 
and the other person is playing to win. And I explain what both of them are, you know. Not to lose is all the people, and I start, you know, telling them all the things that, that, you know, people that are playing not to lose do. And I include some of their behaviors into that as well, so they can kind of go, oh, man, I'm playing not to lose. And then I talk about playing to win. And playing to win are all the things that winners do in, their, you know, in life or in business or whatever, and then I include what I what you know I want them to do, whether it's like you know, they invest in themselves, they they, they they hire coaches or trainers or whatever, therapists. So I'm anchoring them that way and I also have the pictures in a webinar. And so when I get to the to uh, the end, I say, you know, now if you're playing to win and I show the picture, now they've all those thoughts that they've had, those positive feelings of winners that they know in their life, because you talk to you know, you have them also thinking of the winners that they know. They associate with that picture, so when that picture comes back up, all those feelings are there, and then you're asking them, are you, are, you white? Are, you, are you ready to play to win? Here's what I have to help you do that. And it goes back, you know, to what you said about those 12, 12 things and subsets. Same way, you can, you can anchor it that way. Um, you know, you might, you might have a... <laughs> just, I'm just thinking out loud here off the top of my head. You might have a word, JP, that you, you use, and you say it in a special way, and it, um, it's funny, to this day, I have a, my best friend. Um, he, he had some, some issues that we worked, we worked on, and I anchored him to the word, wow. And I, can, <laughs> I still do this just to get a kick out of it. But the, the anchor is still there. So every time I talk to him, I go, wow. And he just lights up. And he just, you know, he, he's smiling from ear to ear. And he, his, his physiology changed. He puts his shoulders back. And he's very confident. He knows what he, because all you got to do is say, wow. And it brings everything that we anchored back to them. So you know, he's always in a positive state when I say that to him. Now, if you had a word that you could say, like, you know, and you could, you might want to use a word that's not in your, in your common vocabulary, like phenomenal. And it might sound obnoxious, but what happens is you have anchored that word to this product. And I don't know, are you familiar with Andy Jenkins? Yeah, yeah, I know who he is. Okay, so he just did a video re- uh, product release. And it's called Video Boss. Right. And he did a br- brilliant job of using the word boss. He used it all over the place, even in context where it should never even have been used. And it was like, oh, I can do this like a boss. And you can do this like a boss. And when he finally got down to making the offer, and it was, you know, four, it was a four-series set of videos given over four weeks. And he had programmed us to get, you know, to be anchored to the word boss. Every time you heard the word boss, you thought of like all this success and video marketing. And he asked you for it and he goes, Now are you ready to are you ready to do video like a boss? And you're like, Oh, and everything comes back. So if you had a word that you could whether you, you created it or whatever and you used it as you're talking about each one of those twelve things or and the subsets and you use that word every time, whether it was, you know, boss if you want to use that. Um when you get to the end, you've anchored that word with all, and it's associated, it's associated now with all of those positive things that you've taught, and that's probably one of the most um, strategic ways. Well, I mean, I know, you've got to, I know you've got to go, and, and um, I want to close out and add a couple of things to this before we let people off the line, but can I ask you to, to share what the anchoring, does it, do, when you're using the anchor in the, in the early stages to, to create that, that to, to embed that word or get that word associated with that feeling, are you using it before or after the statement or whatever it is you want to associate that with? Good question. Um, and this goes, this goes into like kind of the nuts and bolts. So whatever state you're in is the state that you're anchoring in others. And what I mean by state is behavior, attitude, whatever, positive feelings. So... If that's the case, you can use it before or after. It doesn't matter or both. But it's whatever you are in between. So, for example, if someone is timid about this, like, oh, I really don't know if I can do this, I'm going to try it, and their, their feeling is reluctance, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this. Well, what they're really doing on the unconscious level is they're, is they're anchoring reluctance in everybody else. And when they go to ask for the offer and they use that word or whatever, what they're doing is they're now telling them, hey, be reluctant to do this. It's probably the the most important thing I could probably tell you. And that's more of the nuts and bolts kind of you know behind everything. 
Absolutely. Excellent. I, I, I and, and I it makes, no, it makes complete sense. I mean, a person could literally come up with the, you know, people that watch or been around TV for a while watching Food Network, especially you, you see Emerald with his bam, you know, yeah. people could coin, not that he does or doesn't do that in that, in a strategic way for NLP, but something like that could be, you know, you could consistently use something and when you want to anchor it, you could go bam, you know, and then when you got down and made your presentation and asked for the order, you could use that again is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. No, I, I got it. That's that's fantastic. Dude, I, I, I'm sitting here looking at the questions, uh, looking at all the concepts and things we wanted to cover, and this is not a takeaway. I know we only had an hour. We've been going now an hour and almost five minutes, so I, I want to respect your time. Um, also, I know I know our audience is going to have more questions. You and I have been playing around and toying around with the idea of having a weekend or putting together some sort of a product. Um, I'm sure that once we've defined what and when that, that'll be, we'll, we'll let people know, but you know, there's no problem product close here but do you have a blog or, or a website or something that people can f- read more stuff find out more are you going to start posting some videos what do you what do you have that people can kind of get to know ryan a little bit better um they could probably go to my they could go to my website there's no problem about it they could go to my website and uh that's probably where they would get the most of this information i mean a very high level of course like i said i i i just on my website, reveal enough information to be dangerous. But I also have three um, three reports that, that if they wanted, they could they could access. And these three reports will go into some of the nuts and bolts that we've talked about, and a whole lot more. Um, and there's these, and the reports are on communication, how to, to master communication with yourself, how to make, master communication with others, and then the third one is how to master the communication of your business has with its market. And uh, those are three reports that are highly, highly just jam-packed with NLP nuts and bolts. And if if they're interested in this stuff, that would probably be the best place for them to start because they can go ahead and look at that stuff and be off and running immediately with these techniques and start using them. Um, There are some of the more, uh, I don't want to use the word basic, but there's some of the more rudimentary techniques that they can just start to implement in their business and have immediate results. Excellent. Why don't we give that web address? So the website is ryannickelco.com, and that's my name, so I'll just spell it. It's R-Y-A-N-N-I-C-K-E-L-C-O. So it's ryannickelco.com. I appreciate that, JP. I wasn't intending to give that out. No, not a problem at all. I mean, dude, this is this is exciting. I know people are going to have more questions. Um, maybe we can set up a Q&A or something for people to get on a live call after they've had a chance to listen to this. That'd be kind of fun and help ferret out more of the, the questions. And, and again, uh, I know you and I have talked about doing some stuff. I, when we talk about it again each time, I get more excited about, hey, we definitely need to move forward. But um, if you'll hang around for about 10 seconds, I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. Again, this is J.P. Maroney, Mr. Monetizer. You've been listening to a special behind-the-scenes interview with Ryan Nickel about using this stealth uh, persuasion techniques, stealth persuasion mastery. Um, there's, there's just no way to express... Um, how excited I am about being able to peel back the layers a little bit for you. And we're going to give you some more of that in the near future. But, uh, again, this is a special call, J.P. Maroney and Ryan Nickel. And take care. We'll see you on the next call. You've been listening to the J.P. Maroney Audio Vault.